Please join me this morning in our prayer of illumination. Gracious Lord, like Nicodemus, we come to the word with many questions. Like the Pharisees, we can be captivated by correctness intent on right answers. As we turn to your word, Spirit of God, do not let our desire for information dominate our need for transformation. Let us hear the word and be moved to greater faith and obedience. Amen. The first reading this morning is from the book of Psalms, chapter 104, verses 24 through 34. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships and the Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide their, your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson is taken from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Pentecost story as, re as written in verse 1 through 21. Let us hear what God says to us this morning. <clears throat> when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like, a, like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation on the heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound of the crowd gathered 
and was bewildered because each heard them speaking in their native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these speaking Galilean? And now how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days I, I will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens before the signs of the earth and on the, on the earth below, blood and fire, smoke, smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> it was Pentecost Sunday, and as the congregation filed into the sanctuary, the ushers handed each person a few bright red carnations to symbolize the festive spirit of the day. The congregation listened attentively to the reading of the Pentecost story from the book of Acts, as I just did, about the disciples were gathered together in one place. They heard the sound like a powerful wind from heaven about how the Holy Spirit appeared like tongues of fire. Then came the sermon. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us, the preacher began, like a powerful wind from heaven, shouted a woman sitting in the front pew. Then she threw one of her carnations toward the pulpit. The preacher began again, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, and that same woman rang out like tongues of fire, like tongues of fire, and again, she threw one of her carnations toward the pulpit. This time, the preacher looked straight attentively at her and said, now throw your pocketbook. 
To which the woman repeated silently, Preacher, you have just calmed the wind of the Spirit and put out the fire. Many of, uh, of you here at Mount Pleasant this morning may feel like the pastor or someone else has just calmed the winds of the Spirit and put out your fire. Or maybe it is because of decisions made within the rank of leadership generally playing out over a period of two or more years escalating the conflict. At any rate, it has resulted in where we are this morning. You know, after all, the congregation, generally speaking, is the last one to know, but, but has a sense of having done their part. All of us know that it is the congregation who calls and installs uh, its pastors, nominated and elected by the elders, deacons uh, of this church. You have elected trustees to manage and care for the property, support staff for the daily operations of the church and its ministry. And on this Pentecost Sunday, the power of the Holy Spirit in flaming tongues of fire should be resting on and within each one of us, giving us the power to become more and more the children of God. But many of you are not quite there yet, and perhaps others are not quite sure they want to go there. Or just maybe others decided, I don't want to go there. But here is the real deal for all of us this morning. The events of Peter's leaving has, has stressed the church system. The, ch the church family has lost its sense of equilibrium. Equilibrium. Members are anxious and want to know what happened. Whose fault is it? How do we hold them accountable? It is a very anxious time, and members don't know what's going to happen next or what's going to happen to their church. Anxiety can manifest itself in a lot of ways, some of which can be very unhealthy for any church family in the face of uncertainty. I heard Barth use a, a, a word the other day that I'm going to use uh, right now. Uh, he said it while we were at lunch the other day. He, he said that he had heard this phrase, chief anxiety officer. Well, I am here today to serve as your chief anxiety officer along with Bart and Lib, to listen, pray, encourage, and do all we can to steer the church back in the direction of equilibrium. That is the reason I am here this morning. And here is the first part of what I want to communicate to you at the outset. Mount Pleasant Church was organized way back in the 1860s, and has been around for a long time. This church has a long and rich history of excellent ministry in this community. This church has a long history of pastors and staff who were, who were very good to great, loving and not so loving. Some were leaders in their own right, and others didn't do so well. 
But the church loved some of them a lot, others not so much. The elders and deacons and trustees supported most of them, but others not so much. Since, or, since it was organized, the congregation has called pastors who have come, pastors who have gone. And that's just the way it goes for the Presbyterian uh, Church. But as your chief anxiety officer, I remind you that Jesus asked us not to be anxious. Jesus asked us not to worry. Jesus said, on this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mount Pleasant Church is built on the solid rock foundation laid by Jesus Christ and no one else. It's not going to go anywhere. Further, you are not going to fail. This church is not going to fold. But because Scripture reminds us over and over again, this is God's church, and all of us who worship here are part of God's human family. All of us are God's prodigal sons and daughters. None of us are irredeemable. That is the reason God paid a handsome ransom for each one of us and accepts us as we are and where we are. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the mark. And Jesus makes this very plain. Anyone who is without sin casts the first stone. Let me say it plainly. If there is anyone here at Mount Pleasant Church who is perfect and can cast the first stone, here's what you do. Email or text me your address later today, and I will personally hand deliver to your front door a stone, a rock, a brick, or a pebble, and you get to choose. It is time to lower the temperature, take a deep breath, relax a bit, and know that God is at work among you and in the life of this church. God loves each one of us more than we will ever know and more than we deserve. In my 23 years in my role as Presbytery leader, I have made a lot of mistakes. I have made poor decisions. I have been on the hot seat with counsel several times. I always step up to the plate and take responsibility for my actions, apologize for my actions, seek forgiveness, and promise to make better decisions the next time. After being an observer at the first listen, I mean, listening session and being called out by the session meeting for my dereliction of duty as pastor of the Presbytery, here is the second part I want to say to you this morning that just might be a way of getting us on the road toward healing and moving us in the direction toward reconciliation. 
All of us, in one way or another, are part of what has become this unhealthy system. So I invite you to find a way to do exactly what I'm going to do right now, openly and publicly. I am profoundly and sincerely sorry for all the ways I contributed to the conflict around Peter's leaving. For my sins of omission, I apologize to you and will try to do much better going forward. Please accept my sincere apology this morning. So I challenge all of you who are leaders in the church to do the same as I have done. And for many others who feel the need to clear the air so that restoration of relationships can begin and the healing process can, me can move forward. Ask yourselves, what do we need to do to be doing the work of God? How do we honor the call and claim that the church has placed in front of us? How do we get back to doing those things that bring glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ? I'm sure many of you know the story of the Hebrew con congregation that left slavery in Egypt back in the Old Testament, and they were on their way to the promised land called Canaan. And their mission statement was absolutely clear. They were going across the desert, across the Red Sea. They were going to face uh, obstacles. They were going to cross the Jordan River. And they were going to face many other obstacles on their journey. Let me just highlight a few of them. Then God called Moses, ordained and installed that first pastor, Moses, and his associate pastor, Aaron, who, who organized the traveling congregation named the Israelites. And after they crossed the Red Sea with Miriam leading the all-women's choir, they worshiped the Lord together. Next, the congregation had its first bit of conflict about water to drink and bread to eat. So Pastor Moses dialed up God on his cell phone about the situation. God sent them water that tasted like sweet tea, bread from heaven, and even added quail as a source of protein. Rather than follow God, all they could remember was the flesh pots in Egypt Going back to Egypt was more important than following God and Moses as their pastor and leader. Next came Jethro, priest of Midian, to help them organize their first session council, who began working on the first chapter of the Book of Order called the Ten Commandments. But by the time we get to the book of Leviticus, they have not only finished the Book of Order, but a book of confessions at well, as well, and it was intended to help them on the rest of the way on their journey. When Moses retires, God sends Pastor Joshua. 
when Joshua were retired, the pastor was Caleb and his associate pastor, Eliezer. Then the first female pastor, Deborah, who could preach and sing. The people returned, continued this behavior called sin throughout the entire Old Testament. People only organized around their personal agendas, their, their positions, and their own power. But God still loved us enough to send God's only son for our salvation. But rather than repent and follow, they arrested him and nailed him to the cross that was rightfully mine and yours. And you know the rest of that story. Not even the blood of God's Son could dispel the darkness that's in all of us. And throughout all the centuries, even up to when I entered this sanctuary in the presence of God this morning, it still means that we struggle with sin. Presbyterians decided that since we can't give up on sin because we are totally depraved, we can't get it right. And so we took out an insurance policy called grace just in case. Here is the third and final part of what I came to say to you this morning. Once upon a time, there was this group that prayed to God for a new church to come to their community. And God answered their prayer. God gave them a new church in their community. God answered their prayers over a period of time. The church grew and grew. It came to pass that God also blessed the members of this church with good education, prosperous jobs, toys to play with on land and water. The members traveled far and wide. The members felt privileged and powerful and wanted to take the church away from God with their power and position and privilege. And they were heard saying, this is our church. We will run it the way we see fit. So it was, the church became theirs. In due time, the church became almost like a Fortune 500 company. And the leaders decided that they would run their church like a business. In due time, they wanted a CEO and employees to run the company according to their standards. And when the new pastor came, division and conflict erupted almost immediately as if it had been lurking there almost two and a half years before that. Leaders simply had no simple vision that all of them could sign on to. So the lines were drawn and leaders became so adamant about pushing their own agendas. 
The only agenda that leaders are called to rally around in the church, of course, is God's agenda. After all, this is God's church. And Jesus told us from the very beginning, if we want to be leaders in the church, we must become the servants of all. It became obvious that the end of that church was near. No one was willing to discern where God was at work and lead the church to partner with God in the ministry that God was doing. It simply did not happen. And as a result of that, your presbytery leader is here telling you this story this morning. Here are my instructions in the last chapter of the book that I'm sharing with you. Here are the instructions in the last chapter. Pastor Bart and Pastor Lib, get with all the officers and leaders of this church. Lead them into the sanctuary. Lock all the doors and say, we are going to stay in this sanctuary, sing and pray and confess our sins and selfishness and apologize and forgive each other, love, support, and acknowledge God's gifts to each one of us, gifts given to build up the church the body of Christ. Help these officers to show the new elders what it means to be called by God to serve the church in this significant way. Suddenly, the congregation, its pastors, session council, deacons, trustees, and staff decided that building their own tower to battle that reaches up to heaven is not pleasing to God. The last thing that preacher from Presbytery said that, that morning, I'm saying again this morning, get on one accord. The Spirit of the Lord will fall upon you like tongues of fire, like tongues of fire, and you will experience a Pentecost of your own. And if you can do it with your imagination, throw your carnation toward the chancel. The end. 